And by now you know that I love the beach. Where am I going after this service? To the beach. Because it's a place where I find peace and quietness by still waters. And, and the truth is, David in this psalm is writing in a place in his life. Maybe he was a, the king of Israel. We don't know exactly when he wrote it. But, but he's writing this psalm in a place where he's reflecting on the goodness of God. Sometimes we've got to stop and reflect on the goodness of God. Somebody say amen. In fact, you need to do that daily. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I will not want. In other words, what he was saying is I'm a sheep, and because I'm a sheep, I'm prone to wander. And because I'm a sheep, I'm prone to do some irrational things in my life. Because I'm a sheep, sometimes I really, really find that I get myself in trouble. I do some dumb things that I regret, and I need a shepherd to lead me and guide me. And as long as Jesus is my shepherd, I will not have any want for anything. We've got to get to the place in our life where Jesus is everything in our life, where we look to Jesus for everything. He becomes the source of our life. And when we get to that place, no matter what happens in our life, if we've got Jesus, we've got everything. Amen? I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Henry did a phenomenal job in preaching about the Lord is my shepherd. He is my Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. He leads me beside still waters. He is my peace. He lets me lie down in green pastures. Last week, we looked at the word again, and we saw that the Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd, and he restores my soul. Now, this morning, I want to continue on, and you know, as I, as I read Psalm 23 many times in my life, and I've memorized it, it's a powerful psalm, I never realized how important this verse is. I never realized that it was the, really the key. It was the most important part of the whole chapter. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now we're going to tie it all together, and we're going to recognize that, that in our lives, all of us in this place, we need restoration. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. And we noticed last week that in the Hebrew, the word for restore is actually the same word for revival. The, the word restore actually means that he breathes life back into me again. He gives me the strength to be everything that I was intended to be from the beginning. He restores. He replenishes. He revives my soul. And most of us here last week, we made a dedicated prayer before the Lord. And we said, Lord, I want you to restore. I want you to be the restorer of my soul. Now, in the Hebrew, the word soul actually means your inner self, your real self, the real person on the inside that feels, the real person that connects with God, the real person that experiences joy and peace, the inner me. 
needs to be restored. And Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet he forfeits his very what? Soul, his very life. Remember, in the book of Genesis, God breathed the breath, the nephesh, the nephesh in Hebrew. It means the, the life of God into mankind. And it says he became a living soul. And how we need our soul to be restored. Why? Because all of us are prone to wander. Notice what Peter said. Peter said, by his stripes we were healed. That word healed is sozo in the Greek, which means we've been restored. We've been rafad in the Hebrew, which means we've been made again into a new person. We've been born again into a new person. We've been redeemed. We've been restored. We've been repaired. We've been healed by his stripes. We've been healed. But notice the context of it. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, bah, you're a sheep. And if there's one thing that we are prone to do is we're prone to wander. We are a wandering group of people. So all we like sheep have gone astray, all of us, to our own way. But the Lord, by his stripes, we were healed so that we can return again to the shepherd and overseer of our soul. So we all need restoration. Why? Because number one, we're all in the process of healing. Listen, when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't become perfect. When I gave my life to Jesus, I still had a lot of issues in my life. And I still have a lot of issues in my life. Because we're being restored. It's not all that happens all at one time, but it's a life journey of becoming like Jesus. In, the, in fact, the Bible tells us that it's God's will, God's pleasure, and God's predestined order that we would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I've got a far way to go to be like Jesus. Come on. So I'm in this process of restoration. I'm in this process of healing. It's like layers that need to happen in my life so that I can experience all that God wants me to be, all that God intended me to be from the beginning. Not only that, but the truth is because we wander, we hurt ourselves. God tells us stay on this path, but we go a different path. We want to do it our way. We're stubborn. And as a result of that, we get ourselves in trouble. We get away from the shepherd of our soul. We get into dry places. We get into difficult situations. We get caught in a fence. We get ourselves cut up, and we need to be restored. In fact, David, when he said, why so downcast, oh, my soul, he was actually thinking like a shepherd because that term downcast actually means that a sheep, when he wanders away from the shepherd and, he, and he's far away from the shepherd, he gets himself into trouble. Then he lays down, and then after he lays down, he falls on his back. I'm not going to do it again. I've done it too many times already, all right? I'm not doing it again. I look on the video, you know, and I'm like, what a... What, what are you doing? What are you, crazy? What are you, nuts? You know, watch myself on the video next week. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? But they fall on their back and they can't get up. Sheep fall on their back and they can't get up all by themselves. And so the shepherd has to come and he has to find them and he has to pick them up, put them in his arms, massage them because what happens is they actually start losing circulation within hours. They're dead if the shepherd doesn't come. Isn't that exactly what Jesus does for us? Hallelujah. He's the good shepherd who finds the wandering sheep. He puts them on our sh his shoulders and he brings us back. But notice this because this is really important. 
We're all in this process of restoration. We're all in this process of healing. We're all in this process of God doing a great work in our life. Notice, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. As long as he's my shepherd, I won't have a need. He makes me what? Lie down in green passes. He leads me beside still waters. He gives me peace. Uh, he restores my soul. He comes and finds me. He breathes life back into me. Now notice what he does. He takes me and he puts me on the right path. So he takes me and he puts me now on the path of righteousness. He puts me on the path of life. Why? Because life is a journey. Life is a journey, and you are on a journey in your life, and you're on a path. You know, the Bible tells us that the path of a righteous person is like a shining light that, that shines brighter and brighter as it goes. The path of a righteous man becomes brighter and brighter. It shines brighter and brighter as it goes. That's powerful. And so he puts us on the path. Now notice what it says. It says he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. We're going to dissect that. He leads me. See, here's the problem with most Christians. Most Christians want to lead Jesus. They want to tell Jesus where they're going, and they want Jesus to bless it. Hey, Jesus, this is the job that I'm going to take. I want you to bless it. Come along with me, Jesus. Come follow me, Jesus. Jesus, this is the young man that I'm going to date, even though he's not a Christian, even though he doesn't love the Lord. Listen to me. If you're dating somebody that doesn't take you deeper spiritually, if you're dating somebody that doesn't love Jesus and doesn't love Jesus, and, and you're not walking on the same path, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What does light have to do with darkness? Listen, you need to find a different person. Why? Because the truth of the matter is that person's going to drag you down. Ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. But Jesus, here's the person that I met, and I know he's not a Christian. I know she's not a Christian. But, Lord, would you bless this decision? God will never bless a decision that goes against his word. God will never bless a direction that's going the opposite way from his word. God will never bless a decision that doesn't take you deeper in him, right? So we want to lead and we want Jesus to follow. But see, Jesus has to be the leader. Why? Because Jesus wants to do something new in your life. See, the truth of the matter is, is you can't stay where you are. Because if you stay where you are, you're going to die. But this is a good place, Jesus. This is a place where I'm getting fed. This is a place where I'm eating. That's good. That's wonderful. But if you stay there too long, the brook is going to run dry. You know, the Bible tells us that Elijah was, was being actually fed by the Lord. He was by a brook, and he would drink every day pure water from the brook, and, and the Lord would bring him uh, food. He would bring him food constantly. The ravens would bring him food. But the Bible says sometime later, the brook ran dry. What does that mean? That means sometimes God's going to let 
something dry up in your life because you've become too complacent. You've become too dependent on that thing instead of him. And as a result of that, you're dying spiritually. And God wants to move you out into a new place in your life. Let me tell you, God has something fresh. God has something new. God has something he wants to, you to experience in your life. And the only way that you can experience it is when you trust God enough to say, God, wherever you lead me, I will follow. And sometimes you've got to pick up, break up camp, and go again somewhere else. God wants to do something fresh and new in your life. And that can be with anything in our life. It, 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 listen, it can even be with devotionals. You know, I, I believe, and I'm going to talk about in a few moments, that reading the Word is really important. I mean, it is vital in our life. But sometimes we can get in a rut. You know, that's, a sh that's actually a sheep word, a rut. That the truth is we could just graze and graze and graze and graze and graze and graze in that one place, and we don't want to move. We just stay there. Our favorite hymn is, I shall not be moved. You see, the, the, the truth of the matter is sheep hate change. They hate change in their life. Sheep will stay in one place, and they'll graze in that one place until there's no more grass. They will graze until there's no more nutrients. They will graze there unless the shepherd actually leads them to a new place. Unless he said, listen, we've got to break camp and go to a new place. Unless they follow that shepherd to that new place, they will die. But sheep hate change. You know what? We're like sheep. We hate change. In fact, I want you to stand up right now. I want you to stand up right now. Everybody in this room, stand up. And I want you to do something with me real quick. You ready? Find another seat. Go ahead. Go ahead. Find another seat. Find another seat. Now, now you can't switch seats with your neighbor. All right, I know how you're going to pull that, right? All right, find another seat. Find another. Go, go find another. Change your seat. Change your seat. Go ahead. Change your seat. Sheep, people hate change. They hate change. Now, now, uh, now sit down. Now the moment, now the moment I said that, there was like panic on your face. I mean, you thought I said the house is on fire. No, that might have motivated you, but you, you were looking at me like, I don't know. I don't know where to go. I don't know what seat to go. No, don't make me move. No, I, I've been in this seat for 35 years. I bought this seat. This is my seat. I can't move. Don't make me move. If I move, I'm not going to be able to hear you. Some of you, you looked at me and you were like, ain't no way I'm moving. I don't care. I don't care if you're the pastor of the church. I don't care if I'm disobeying the shepherd. I don't care. I'm, I, I will not be moved. I ain't moving. I ain't moving. Because there's something inside of us, we get comfortable where we are. We get comfortable sitting in complacency. We get comfortable even when we're blessed by God. We get so comfortable that we don't want to move. In fact, God told the people of Israel when they were in Egypt, listen, I'm sending Moses to you. Huh? Moses goes in and says, hey, listen, I'm going to deliver you out from this place. And he performs all these miracles, and now they're in the desert. And God's giving them everything they need. He's giving them water. He's giving them manna. He's giving them manna. He's giving them manna. He's giving them pasta fazul manna. He's giving them manna. He, give them, he's, he gives them quail. He gives them everything they need. 
And yet they start complaining and say, we want to go back to Israel. You see, sometimes we have changed so much that even when we are dysfunctional, even when it's bad, we want to stay the same place in the same place doing the same thing. That's why Jesus said to the man that was at by the pool of Bethesda, he said, do you want to be well? Do you want me to really heal you? How, how could you ask me that question, Jesus? I've been here for 38 years because sometimes we get so comfortable in our dysfunction. We get so comfortable in the place we are, whether we're hooked on drugs, whether we're dysfunctional relationally, whatever it is, that we don't want to change because we've just become comfortable in our dysfunction. People don't change. Until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. Let me say that again. People don't change easily until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. So we don't want to change and we don't want to move. But that's why God wants to lead us. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to lead you to a better place. No matter who you are, no matter what you're experiencing in your life, God has something better. God has something deeper. God has something more profound. God has something more fruitful in your life. You've got to believe that. Because until you actually believe that, you will not trust God enough to say, God, wherever you lead me, I know it's going to be a good place. And it's scary. It's scary to let somebody else lead your life. Because we love control, don't we? How many of you are control freaks? Let me see your hands. How many of you won't admit that you're a control freak? Let me see your hands. There you go. The truth is, that's the very heart of sin, is that we want to control our own lives. We want to be in control of our future. We want to be in control of our destiny. We want to be in control of every area of our life. And it's really hard to give up control to someone else, even God. But in order for us to experience the good things that God has in our life, we have to allow him to lead us. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we've got to be willing to say, God, I'm willing to trust you enough to allow you to lead me where you want me to follow. Why? Because I know it's a good place. I know it's a, a great place. And some of us this afternoon, it's time to move out. For some of us, it's time for a change in our life. We've been staying right where we've been for too long. I know it's been good. I know it's been comfortable. I know it might have not even been so good, but you've gotten so comfortable where you are that you're afraid to move out. But listen to me. Your good shepherd has something powerful for you. Your good shepherd has something productive for you. Your good shepherd has something promising for you. But you've got to trust him enough like Abraham to say, yes, Lord, wherever you live, Lead me, I will follow. See, he knows where fresh water is. He knows where there is fresh pasture land. He knows where the manor is. He knows where there's safety. And listen, he leads us. Why? Because he loves to go before us. I love that about Jesus. Is that Jesus is going to check out every place before he makes you go there. Because he loves you. You see, just like us men. We make sure when we hear something downstairs in the house and it sounds like somebody's trying to break in, we don't nudge our wife and say, go try to figure it out. Find out who's down there. You know what I mean? We go ourselves, you know. Yeah, some of the wives are looking at the husband going, you do that again, I'll kill you. 
We won't need a robber. I'll do it myself. You know, we go before our family because we love our family. God, Jesus goes before you in the valley. Jesus goes before you in the battle. Jesus goes before you on that path. Why? Because he knows where the danger is and he's clearing your path out as the Bible says, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding but in all your ways you acknowledge that he is leading you and you're following him, he will make your path straight. We're going to talk about straight paths in a moment. But see, he goes before you, and I'm so glad that he goes before you, not only to make sure that it's safe, but he even goes before you in the battle. Hallelujah. The battle doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. And see, if you follow Jesus, then he's going to do the battling for you. See, it's when we get in front of him that we get knocked out. It's when we get in front of him that we get in danger. It's when we get in front of him that we get wounded and hurt instead of staying behind him. Why? Because he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. You've got to get behind him and stay behind him, and you've got to follow closely so you won't get hurt. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake and how he wants to lead but we've got to give up something. We've got to give up control, and we've got to trust him with all of our heart, knowing that he wants to take us to a good place. But let's talk for a moment about the path of righteousness. He leads us. We want to follow. But where does he lead us? To the path that is right. The path of righteousness. Now, in the Hebrew, that term path of righteousness, actually the word righteous means straight path. It means a straight path. I'm straight and I'm proud of it. Because the truth of the matter is, is that God wants to lead us on a good path of holiness in our life. You see, the truth is we, we so often don't really understand what that term really means. But the truth is the path of righteousness is a way, a morally straight way Christians can live as we follow Jesus the shepherd. He will never lead us astray. Following in the groove or the path he sets before us will enable us to accomplish, listen to me, it will enable us to accomplish his will and to live out our best possible life. Listen, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. It looks good. The devil is always going to paint a, a, a good picture for you. He's going to paint a seductive, beautiful picture for you. Listen to me. Listen to me, young person. If you're in this room and you're between the ages of 13 and 21, I want to tell you that the devil's main priority for you in your life is to get you off the path. He wants to get you off the path. He's going to do everything he can. Along the path, he's going to throw temptation your way. Along the path, he's going to try to get you to get off the path. Why? Because he knows if you get off the path, you're going to get hurt. And you're going to get hurt bad. You know, somebody once said the devil is a, is a roaring lion, but he has no teeth. That is not true. The devil is a roaring lion, and he has teeth. And if you get off the path, he's going to bite you, and it's going to hurt. He's going to hurt you. And that's what he often does to Christians, is he just wants you to get off the path, living in disobedience to the word. Because if he can get you to live in disobedience to the word, 
If he can get you off the path where you are not listening any longer to the good shepherd. Listen what the Bible says. In John chapter 10, I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10. You need to read it. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He said, listen. He says, and I know my sheep by name. Young person, I want to tell you that, that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. That God knows you better than yourself. That God created you. Psalms 139 says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And while I was in my mother's womb, God was knitting me together. God was giving me a personality. God was giving me a temperament. God was giving me talents and abilities. God was giving me a shape so that when I emerged into this world, I would be everything that God wanted me to be. And the devil's main priority in your life and in my life is to get us off the path so that we won't be living in our sweet spot where God has created us to do the very things that God has created us and only us to do. But the Bible tells us Jesus knows us by name. He said, I know my sheep by name. If I was a shepherd of real sheep, I'd name them all. I'd name them Franklin. I'd name them Bobby. I'd name them Sam. I'd name them Sally. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, my sheep Follow me, and they hear my voice. See, that's the secret. The secret is learning how to tune in to the voice of the good shepherd. The secret is that we stop running here and there, wandering here and there, and we sit long enough to be still and know that he's God. That we sit in the secret place and we hear the voice of God in our life. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. But that we've got to learn how to listen to the good shepherd when he leads us and we follow. But he leads us to straight paths or he leads us to paths of holiness or right living. Why is that important? Now listen to me. I, I want to tell you right now. You're not saved because you do good works. You're not saved. You're not going to heaven because you read your Bible. You're not going to heaven because you come to church. You're not going to heaven because you walk old ladies across the street. You're not going to heaven because you give a lot of money to missions. You're not going to heaven because you do good works. You're going to heaven because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Listen to me. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that you can't even be good enough to get yourself to heaven. Why? Because I love the book of Romans. If you never read it, read the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 to chapter 3. It talks about all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And none of us have an excuse in our life. We're without excuse when it comes to sin. We've all sinned. Romans 4 and 5 talks about that we can be saved and righteous and we can go to heaven and we can have any, uh, a relationship with God by grace and grace alone through faith, and, and that faith creates a righteousness that happens on the inside so that when we receive Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our life, and listen to me, he makes us righteous. Romans chapter 6 says, because of all of these things, you've been baptized with Christ into his death. You've been raised to new life. Therefore, don't offer your members uh, 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 to unrighteousness, but offer them to righteousness. And then he goes on in chapter 7. He says, oh, but me as a Christian, even as a Christian, there are times when I know that I want to do good, but I do wrong. He says, who will rescue me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God that I find my victory in Christ and Christ alone. 
alone. Listen to me. You are a righteous person, not because you work hard, not because you come to church, not because you read your Bible. You're a righteous person because there was a day when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. He sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, and he created a righteousness that was imparted to you, not because you deserve it, not because you own it, because you are a child of the living God. Somebody say amen. And so he goes on to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For those that are in Christ Jesus are not led by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And those that are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. But notice what Ephesians chapter 2 says. You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. For what reason? So that we can be, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, so that we can be God's workmanship created in Christ unto good works. So we're saved by faith. We can't get ourselves to heaven. We can't have a relationship with God. We can't be good without the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of us. And when he comes to live inside of us, he creates a righteousness inside of us. So that we want to do what is right instead of what is wrong. He empowers us to do what is right. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. Dunamis, power to do the right thing. Enabling power to do, to live a witness, right? So now we have the imparted righteousness of Christ in us. So that's what Jesus does. He comes. We were in a rut. We were cast down. He took us. He put us back on our feet. He put us on the path of what? Of right living. He put us on the path of what? Holiness. What is holiness? People think, when you think of holiness, you think of something boring. Holiness is being like Jesus. How many of you think that's the right thing to be, like Jesus? I don't want to be like Mike. I want to be like Jesus. Although I'd like to play basketball like Mike. One time I went up like Michael Jordan. I mean, I went up, came down like Steve Malazzo, blew out my knee. But, but God wants to put us on the right path. So, so for what reason? To make us holy. To listen to me. To set us apart. That word set apart means to be sanctified. And what it means is that when Christ comes, the good shepherd comes, he does a work. He does such a radical work in your life. He does such a beautiful work in your life. He does such a work of righteousness in your life that now you become a reflection of his image. He sets you apart, sanctified. The word sanctified means to set you apart. And he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And he makes you his workmanship so that you might live a life so that others might see the glory of God inside of you. So what is the path of righteousness? He leads us into a life that will bring honor and glory to him and honor and glory to his wonderful name. Why does he lead us in a right life? Listen to me. For his name sake he leads me in the right path for one reason and only one reason not for ourselves but for his name's sake for his glory and for his honor you see i used to think when my mom taught me this when my mother taught me this verse this chapter she said stephen i want you to know this one thing that all things work together for the good for those who love God and call according to his purpose. And that if you're going to be blessed in your life, you need to trust God with all your heart. You need to not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways make 
him Lord in your life, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I used to think the straight path meant that it was straight to a pot of gold. I used to think the straight path was all about me being blessed. If I honor God and I do the right thing, God will bless me and I'll get whatever I want. I'll get a big house. I'll get a nice car. I'll have a nice life. And I, I really honestly believe that today what the church needs to hear more than anything else is it's not about you. It was never about you. It was never about me. I know that there are churches filled with people. There are coliseums filled with people where a pastor tells them that if they come to Jesus, Jesus is going to bless them. They're going to have so much money and prosperity, and they're going to have, have health, and they're never going to get sick a day in their life. And, man, they're going to have a great life. They're going to have a wonderful, happy life. Listen to me. It was never about you. It'll never be about you. It was never about me. It'll never be about me. It's about Jesus. It's about his glory. It's about his honor. It's about Jesus being seen through you and in your life so people can come to the master so that they can have eternal life. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and not glorify you and not give you a raise and not make your life easier so that they might glorify God that is in heaven. See, your whole life, you are clay, and he is the potter, and he wants to fashion your life. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He does want to bless you. Don't get me wrong. You are his child, and he loves you. But that's not the issue. That's not the purpose of your life. That's not the purpose of your being. We've been created for his glory. We've been created for his honor. We've been created so that we might be a reflection of his righteousness. Righteousness is an incredible word. You know, when we think about righteousness, we think boring. When we think about right living, we think boring. But you know what? The only way you can actually be blessed is when you live the right life. When you live a life of character and integrity and holiness. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. How many of you in this room would say, Jesus was the most radically beautiful person on the face of this earth. Let me see your hands. What, what made him so radically? What, what makes you come to church to want to know more about Jesus? What comes, what makes you come to church so that you can know more about the love of God and, and be more like Jesus? What makes you get on your knees and say, man, I know Jesus was perfect in all his ways. What was perfect about him? He was holy. He was righteous. He was a man of character and integrity. When he said something, he meant it. You could see right through his holiness and his power and his majesty. Why? Because it was all about righteousness. And man, Jesus says, you are my reflection. And if you are the light of the world, then let people around you see your righteousness so that they might glorify my name. So what are good works? They're acts of right. They're living honorably. They're, they're being filled with God and his holiness. And as a result of that, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. As the word of God says, the path of the righteousness is living holy living a life of character and integrity and honor, letting our light so shine that in every way Jesus is glorified in your life. Let me say it again. Listen to me. God will never force you to follow him. God will never push you. He'll never pull you. See, the difference between 
cattle and sheep. Or cattle, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe cattle are even dumber than sheep. I don't know. Or maybe cattle are just a lot more stubborn than sheep. But a cattle rancher, he actually has to get behind the, the, the cattle and push the cattle. He has to round up the cattle, and then he has to drive the cattle and drive and prod the cattle. God doesn't want to drive you. He doesn't want to push you. He doesn't want to force you. Why? Because you're not a cow. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not a cow. Turn to your neighbor and say, but I'm a sheep. And there's something about sheep, even though they're dumb animals, even though they're prone to wander. They're a lot better than cows. Why? Because, listen to me, look at me. Here it is. When a sheep trusts the shepherd, when a sheep knows the voice of the good shepherd, when a sheep is totally convinced that the good shepherd will lead him to a good place, when the sheep is convinced that the shepherd has his best interest in mind, you don't have to push, you don't have to pull, you don't have to prod. All you have to do is lead and the sheep will follow. Hallelujah. There's something about a sheep that is convinced that the shepherd loves it so much that the sheep just instinctively listens to the voice, listens to the voice of the shepherd and follows. As the worship team comes this afternoon, I want to suggest to you the reason why we have a hard time following the good shepherd is, number one, because we have abandoned or ignored the power of God's word in our life. I mean, listen to me. Look at me. Listen to me. Shh, shh. Listen. I know that you've heard this over and over and over and over and over again. I've been preaching for over 33 years, some odd years. I started preaching when I was one years old. Now, why is that even funny? And what I've learned is that most of the sermons that you hear, they actually lead back to one thing, your personal relationship with God through reading the Word, through praying, through spending time in the presence of God. I mean, how many sermons have we heard over and over and over again? It's about reading the Word, reading the Word, reading the Word, reading the Word. But let me suggest to you today that when you read the Word, you're hearing the voice of the shepherd. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Every time you read the Word, you read Jesus. Every time you eat the Word, you eat Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I want to suggest to you today that there's no way in the world that you will be what God wants you to be without making a commitment to read God's Word every day. Every day, you can't live without it. That's why David said, Psalms 119, it's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Psalms 119 is committed to one thing, devoted to one thing, the power of the Word of God in a man's life. David said, how can a man keep himself pure? By hiding God's Word in his heart. David said, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. My path. You can't be on the path until you make a commitment to filling your life 
with God's word. Every day, listen to me, I have made a promise to God. I've made a vow to God. And I intend to keep it till the day I die. I told God, and you've heard me say this before. I said, God, give me insomnia if I don't read your word every single day of my life. And there are some times when, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, there are some times when I read the Word and I'm like, man, I just, I'm so tired. I don't want to read the Word. But you know what? I know the Word of God is alive. Change me. I know the Word of God will speak to my spirit. I know the Word of God will lead me. I know the Word of God, if I put it in my heart, it will keep me on the right path. How can a man keep his way pure? By hiding God's Word in his heart. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And so I made a promise to God that I will not go to sleep. Give me insomnia, Lord, if I didn't read the Word of God today. And I've made a promise, a vow that I will read the word every day, even when I don't want to, even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to read the word. That's where you've got to get to that point in your life where God's word is so important in your life that you will read it every day. You say, but I don't understand it. I don't know where to start. I'll tell you where to start. Open it up and start reading it. Open it up and just start letting the word of God fill your heart and your life. Number two, let me suggest to you, the reason why we go off the path and the reason why we have a hard time following Jesus, the good shepherd, is because we don't know the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll not leave you alone. He said, I won't leave you as an orphan. He said, I won't lead you without somebody giving you guidance. He said, but I'm going to send the paracletus, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, listen to me, he will guide you into all truth. Look at me, look at me, listen to me. Let me suggest to you today that the Holy Spirit is the voice of the good shepherd. Because Jesus said, and the Holy Spirit will tell you everything that I have already said. So the only way you can hear Jesus is to listen to the Holy Spirit. The only way that you can know the Father is to know the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there for you. He's been sent to you to empower you. He's been sent to you to guide you and to lead you and to teach you all things. Man, he's everything in your life. And I want to suggest to you today that you surrender to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want to suggest that you would say, Holy Spirit, I want to know who you are on a daily basis. And he'll begin to speak to you. You got to surrender. He's not going to push you. He's not going to pull you. He's going to lead you. Those that are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. And number three, quickly, the last thing is, if you're going to be on the path of righteousness and you're going to be led by God, then you're going to have to learn, I'm going to have to learn to trust God with all our hearts. I want to suggest to you today that the most important part of your life is trusting the good shepherd that he loves you and knows what's best for your life. See, because I believe today that God has something brand new for you, something new he wants to do in your life. He wants to take you to a new place. He wants to take you to a new place where there's still waters and green pastures. He wants to take you to a new place where he wants to do something new in your life. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. And you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I want to admit to you, that my, my greatest struggle in my life is to trust God with my future. To trust God with my entire life. And I need to trust God because I know that where I'm at, God wants to take me to a new place. 
God wants to do something new in my life. I can't stay where I am. I can't remain where I am. God wants to do something new in my life, and I need to trust him on it. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Steve, I believe that I cannot stay where I am. God needs to do something new in my life, and I need to trust him in the journey. I need to start obeying and following the lead of the good shepherd. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Say, yes, Lord, I need God to do something new in my life. I want God to do something new in my life. I want to begin to trust him for something new in my life. I want you to stand right now. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm here today and I want to confess to you that I'm in a rut, Pastor Steve. I'm in a spiritual rut. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's reading the word. But you want to trust God to do a new work, to restore and revive the joy of your salvation. You want God to do something new in your life. You want God to lead you. The first step, and we're going to do this like we did in every other service today. It was very powerful. So trust me as I lead you through this process. But you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain if I die today, I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want you, after the service today, there will be some folks that are here. They're going to be standing right here. I want you to go over to them and say, hey, for the first time today, I gave my life to God. I surrendered my life to God. I'd like some free information about the journey, the path that I need to be on. And they're going to pray with you and they're going to give you some information. I want you to come after the service. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to prod you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to have you come right after the end of the service so that you can get the information you need. But here's what I want you to do right now in this place is the Holy Spirit is speaking. I want you to sing that song again. I need you. Lord, I need you. And as you begin to sing that song, listen to me, as a sign, as a symbol illustrating, listen to me, illustrating your desire for God to lead you to a new place and that you're willing to obey and listen to the voice of the shepherd and you're willing to follow wherever he leads you. In a moment when you begin to sing, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come up to the altar because there's a, there's a reason why I'm asking you to do that because we're going to pray a prayer of dedication. We're going to pray a prayer of consecration. I want you to get out of your seat. Don't stay where you are. And I want you to say, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to follow you. And as a token or as an illustration of that, today I'm willing to follow you right up to the altar and bring my life to the altar. You see, a sacrifice is bringing something to the altar. Bring yourself to the altar and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. Listen, Jesus said, in order for you to be his disciple, you must pick up your cross. Picking up the cross means death to self. Deny yourself and come and follow me. I want you to follow him right to the altar, the place where you consecrate yourself and you say, it's not about me anymore, Lord. It's about your glory. He leads me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord, I live. If that's you, as we begin to sing, I want you to make your way all out of your seat and come to this altar. And I want you to sing with all your heart, I need you. I need you, Lord. Let's do that right now. Come on, quickly. Lord, I Say yes, Lord. Bowing here, I confess. I find my rest. And I need you, God. And without you, I fall apart. 
say it again. I need you, Lord. Let's let the Holy Spirit begin to do His work in our lives right now. Let's let the Holy Spirit do His work in our minds. You know, if there's one thing that I grew up hearing all my life, and you know, I want to suggest to you that it was the best thing for me in my whole life. It's my pastor, from when I was a little kid, taught about giving everything, surrendering it all to God. And I think that we've lost that message in the church. And that's why we've lost the power of the gospel. Because now we've made it a me-centered gospel instead of saying it's a Christ-centered gospel. So all my life I've been hearing the same message. And let me tell you, it's the thing that's changed my life. Come and surrender yourself to Jesus. Give him everything. If God is not the Lord of everything, he's not the Lord of anything in our life. If God is not the Lord of everything, he's not the Lord of anything in our life. And so we come today. Why did I call you to come forward? Because we call this the altar. And what is the altar? It's a place where we take our sacrifice. We bring God our very best. And we leave it at the altar and we say, God, consume the sacrifice. Hey, listen, we're not bringing an animal. We're bringing ourselves to the altar. And we're saying, God, consume me. Lord, fill me. God, empower me to be a living sacrifice. I want you to sing this with me. All across this place, raising your hands towards heaven. And listen, by the way, if you need to go, God bless you. We love you. But at Bethlehem Assembly of God, we believe this is the most important part of the whole service right here. So we're not going to cut this short. But if you need to slip out, I love you. God loves you. But we're going to seek the face of God for a few moments. Come on, Lord, I, I need you. And Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary.
us right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. God's touching somebody today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching us today. Thank you for doing a work in our lives today, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to be perfect, but one thing we do, we forget what's behind and we press on. Lord, we thank you today, Lord God, that you are going to do a great work in our life. Now, are you ready to pray a, a consecration prayer? Hey, this is what it's going to say, so don't pray unless you mean it. Lord, I recognize that you are Lord of my life. And Lord, I recognize that you want to lead, I will follow. Wherever you lead, I will follow. Give me a heart that trusts you through whatever journey you want to take me on. Are you ready to pray that prayer? Come on, raise your hands and say with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are Lord over everything. Be Lord over my life. Give me a heart to follow wherever you lead, whether it's easy or hard, difficult, I will follow. Lord, I believe that you want to do something new. Take me to a new place so I will follow to that new place. Thank you, Lord, that you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. You are my good shepherd and you will lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Let my whole life, everything about me, bring glory, bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, listen, give somebody a big hug. Tell them they, that you love them. God bless you. Don't forget God has a plan for your life, and it's huge. Come on, give somebody a big hug on the way out. Love you guys.